In more than 120 countries, Sequent is evolving the way civil engineering organizations work through better subsurface understanding. With our trusted software for analyzing and modeling the subsurface, engineering consultants, constructors, and owner-operators find solutions to their challenges and make smarter, faster, and more sustainable decisions. As the Bentley subsurface company, Sequent connects the built world above ground with the hidden world below. Together, we are helping build a more resilient future. Welcome to the latest episode of the Engineers Collective. I'm Claire Smith and I'm editor of New Civil Engineer and I'm co-hosting today's episode with our assistant news editor, Rob Hackingham. And today we're going to be discussing mental health and exploring why people in the construction sector might be affected by poor mental health more than the general population and looking at a new initiative from the Lighthouse Club that's aiming to change all of that. If you are affected by any of the issues we're discussing today, I will share some resources at the end of this episode, which are also included in the description of this episode too, so that you can get the help and support you need or speak to someone right away. Our guest for today's episode is Chief Executive of the Lighthouse Club, Bill Hill. Bill gained over 20 years experience holding senior positions in blue chip giants Hewlett Packard and Sage PLC. He has a passion for customer service and has a wealth of experience across the major business disciplines of marketing, sales, operations and finance. Bill trained as an accountant, but his most recently gained accreditation is as a mental health first aid instructor. He joined the Lighthouse Construction Industry Charity in 2013 and since then has played a major role in significantly growing the profile and impact of its charitable work. <laughs> he joined the Lighthouse construction industry charity in 2013 and since then has played a major role in significantly growing the profile and impact of its charitable work within the construction community. The charity now operates a 24-7 industry helpline. It has also developed a construction-focused health and well-being app and plays a central role in Make It Visible, the construction industry's major new initiative to improve workforce welfare and well-being, which we will be focusing on during today's episode. To sum up Bill's approach to well-being, he has previously said, there is a big difference between doing things right and doing right things. Developing a strategy to improve workforce welfare and well-being in our industry is the right thing to do. If you look after your people, your people will look after your business. So welcome to the Engineers Collective, Bill. It's great to have you with us today. Improving well-being and removing the taboo around talking about poor mental health is a topic close to my heart as I've personally been affected by work-related anxiety in the past. And it's a topic that I discuss openly, so I'm pleased that we're having this conversation. But it also saddens me too, as I feel that as an industry, we haven't really moved that far in recent years, despite knowledge that the suicide rate in the industry, even before COVID, was poor. So to set the scene, Bill, could you share with us the extent of the challenge the industry faces, as well as what brought the issue to light for the sector? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Claire, and uh, thank you very much for welcoming me onto your programme. I-, I wondered in the introduction there who you were talking about, and I realised it was me. <laughs> thank you very much for that lovely introduction. Yeah, the the industry has uh, has certain factors that are pretty peculiar uh, to, to the industry as a whole. One, the industry is probably got maybe 3.1 million people working in the, in the UK and Ireland, but the vast majority of those people are about 53%. Of those people are either working as agency workers, self-employed, 
um, or on zero hour contracts. So there's a very large number of people in the sector um, that really are looking for their financial reward on, on a week by week, sometimes month by month basis. Uh, there's over 400,000 companies in construction and the vast majority of those, about 92% of those, have got under 10 people in them as well. So it's uh, it's a collection of very micro uh, businesses uh, in the sector as well. So you, you start combining that to, to some of the other things that happen in the industry. I mean, it is a high risk, high reward industry uh, as well. And every year there are about 30 to 40 fatalities on site, which can be you know very significant to anybody uh, in and around those and there's a wave effect of any of those things happening uh, as well. There's over 2,000 accidents every year um, within the industry that incapacitate an individual to such an extent that they can't actually go back to work to do the job that they did before. It's got the, the highest occupational cancer rates uh, of any other industry. I'm not selling this industry very well at the moment, Elias. It's not very good. And, and around about uh, 20% of all recorded uh, work-related illnesses, all recorded work-related illnesses is due to uh, anxiety, stress, or depression. And, and, and the, the thing that really knocked the industry for six when we found out the research behind this was that you know every working day, we're losing two construction workers to suicide. So there, there is some pretty big um, health and well-being problems um, within the industry that you know the industry really does need to, to tackle in a big way uh, to make it an industry for the future and for young people to come and join it in the future as well. So a lot to do. So there was a report in 2017 that really brought things to light, though, wasn't there, that highlighted the, the scale of the problem? Yeah, right? there was a, the Stevenson Farmer report came out in 2017, uh, which said, you know, alerted the industry to say there was a pretty, pretty big issue in here. And that's when, you know, more people turned around and started aiming, aiming and focusing on what the heck uh, we can do. But we had to build some empirical evidence behind that uh, to say, well, you know, where, where do you start with this? And in typical construction fashion, um, you know, most companies started doing their own thing because uh, one of the things that construction have in common is they, they are a community of solution finders and problem solvers. Um, they are not wonderful at collaborating with each other. And this is, a, this is an area where we do need to collaborate uh, as a community because th- there is no, there's no IP intellectual property and well-being uh, and we need to all collaborate in that and it's, it doesn't build your brand having a good well-being program. It is a humanitarian project across the whole industry to make sure that our workforce are safe, which we do a pretty good job of, to be fair. Uh, the numbers uh, have come down considerably in 1956 when our charity was set up. There was around about 200 fatalities every year uh, within construction. I mean, that has dropped down to 30 to 40, which is significant, but still it's 30 to 40 too many. So safety has been uh, a big thing. And, and to be honest, the industry has been shouting safety for a long, long time, but they've only been whispering health. And uh, I think, you know, this is the time now to really turn our atel- attention to, to the welfare and well-being of the workforce as a, as a whole. So that report obviously came out six years ago, but we've also had the COVID-19 pandemic since then. How has that impacted mental health of workers in the construction industry? Well, I think uh, the COVID uh, pandemic, you know, I think touched everybody, um, not just uh, just our industry. I don't think there was anybody uh, left untouched by that particular pandemic. And, and the, the industry obviously suffered like many other industries with, you know, closed down. But going back to the earlier 
um, element about so many people that are working in the industry on agency work or self-employed or zero-hour contracts, uh, as soon as you switch off work, you sit, switch off their finance. And um, our helpline turned red hot um, on March uh, when when that happened, when the first shutdown happened, it turned really because because nobody as well there, there were uh, you know everybody was in a bit of a panic there, and there was not clear government guidelines about how the self-employed can get get some some funding uh, to see themselves through this program uh, also through the pandemic and and it was very very difficult so people were immediately going into to financial crisis but then in the, as an industry construction was one of one of the first to get back to work um, as well and, and then that caused an upset as well because because many people seeing construction workers going back to work were giving them a really hard time um, as well because and, and you know being very vitriolic and, and saying you're spreading the disease you're you're you know you're you're causing this thing to keep on going because you're going back to work and spreading it um, so again it took a little while for all that to calm down but but to be honest, there has been some really <laughs> favourable impacts of of that because the very first thing was that, that this industry has always said it could never do flexible working. We can't do flexible work. It just doesn't work in our industry. Well, well guess what? You know, COVID came along and we managed to fit in flexible working. Well done. And the other thing that's really done, uh, been a big, big step forward is, is the, the on-site hygiene factors. Um, as well uh, they had to get better uh, and COVID and the pandemic raised the hygiene factors on site now the, those two elements are significant in trying to get women into the industry so so having those two things and being able to deliver those two things has actually opened up a bigger opportunity for women to get into the industry which is a, a brilliant thing uh, to see and going back to some of the stats 87 percent of the population uh, of construction are men. So it's very, very male-dominated and there needs to be some more equilibrium. But I imagine the change in working patterns hasn't always been totally positive because I imagine some people who are now working remotely, they're used to being with their colleagues on site and perhaps going home alone. Has that affected people's mental health? Too? Yeah, well, th- this, this again is, is something that society in general are, are having to, to cope with in the sense that, you know, with remote working and even what we're doing today is, uh, you know, we would have done this in the studio before we met face to face and uh, got to know each other a little bit better uh, before we sat down and made a podcast uh, like this. So the the face to face human interaction is is hugely important to anyone's psyche. And uh, you can't have it 100% one way and 100% the other way. And, and I think what people are now getting used to is a hybrid. But but in the construction industry, you, you've got to be on site. You can't build remotely. You've got to be physically on site. And, uh, you know, so the, there is there's an opportunity for some hybrid activity, especially um, in the upper echelons of the professional trades uh, within there, uh, whilst they're working on project architecture and plans. But you, you've still got to be on site uh, to, to be with your people and see what's going on as well. So I think in every industry is working through that hybrid model to see how they optimise it. And, and the construction industry is no different from others. Mm. So it was in January this year that the Lighthouse Club launched its Make It Visible campaign. Can you explain how the campaign fits with other initiatives within the industry and why an overarching rather than company by company approach is needed? Yeah, and uh, I, I would like to emphasise this isn't just a, a lighthouse initiative. Um, we were asked by the Construction Leadership Council to take a leadership role 
uh, for the industry be because we have such a fragmented approach to to delivering uh, our, these types of initiatives. Uh, you know, every company is doing some great work. Well, not every company, but many companies are doing some fantastic work and best practice in this area. And the whole idea behind this is like, how do we collaborate? How do we how do we make one program that is easily uh, understood by all the workforce uh, as being part of a major initiative to make this a better place to work. Uh, we are genuinely trying to change the narrative um, because if we keep on you know, publicising gloom and doom in the industry you know, and all the statistics that I gave you, it does not make it an attractive place uh, to come uh, for Gen Z to, to look and say, yeah, that's where I want to be. Um, so so having something that is changing the narrative to say, look, you know, we know the issues. We know it's a high risk, high reward industry, but it's also a great industry uh, to be in. It's, it's delivering, you know, the historical buildings that's going to be around for many, many years. It's the infrastructure. It's, it's an absolutely amazing place to work where there's fantastic camaraderie, but at some point you may actually hit the buffers and and you may have struggle with your problems and issues and and if you do struggle with your problems and issues then there is a, an industry-wide support mechanism here for you uh, whether you're part of a, a large company which might have a an employee assistance program or you are a um, agency worker uh, where they've got nowhere else to turn we've got something for you we've got a safety net here a safety net to which you will not fall below and that's what the whole program is all about is is pulling all that together and giving the whole industry a safety net that so that every if any company wants to build a ladder uh, from that and make it you know put more benefits in there that's fine but some wherever they fall they're going to land on a safety net uh, to to help and support them that that's the whole idea of the program as an industry-wide initiative and that's where make it visible was born so i understand there are four elements of the campaign can you briefly explain what each of them are and perhaps then we'll delve into a bit more detail on each of them yeah well, when we looked at to all the things that we we needed to do it's a it's a bit like boiling the ocean um it's 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 huge uh all the things we and, and we don't even pretend that you know we can solve this on our own. we are part of a very very big jigsaw puzzle that needs to be pulled together um to to deliver everything we need for our workforce but we split it into to four key areas uh to to focus on what one was reactive well-being strategies what what can we do in a reactive basis when somebody is in crisis how how can we make sure that they get the kind of support uh that they need uh the second area is like well try it's always better catching somebody before they reach crisis point so what uh, proactive strategies can we put in well-being welfare and well-being uh, to make people more resilient, to, to be able to catch them further up uh, that that activity. And then the third big area was, was culture change. Um, we really need to make a major culture change within the industry. We are around about 40 to 50 skilled labour shortage every year for the next four or five years. So, so how do we attract uh, young people into this industry? And we've got a very large population in the industry that are aging that are going to be retiring um, soon um, how do we fill that skills gap and to do that we've got to make it a, a more attractive industry for for people to to want to come into so that's uh, again a, a very big area is how do we manage this culture change uh, and the final element is measurement because if we're going to enact all of these initiatives and what do we know what's working and what do we know is not so 
so well optimized or, or, or not working so well. So, so we need some sort of high level measurement system as an industry to, to see how we're doing um, over the years. So th those are the four key areas that we, we broke down the Make It Visible uh, initiative into. So, so as you said, the reactive strategy is the first element that people will see coming out of the Make It Visible campaign. And that's the bit that you yourself are leading on. So can you tell me what you've done so far in this part of the work, what the challenge is getting to this stage have been and what else there is to do? Uh, <laughs> I was like, I chose the easy one, um, mainly because uh, our charity has been very much involved with reactive strategies uh, for, for many years. Uh, but the, the very first thing that, uh, that well, what we what we suffer from is 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 awareness um, and stigma. Uh, people, uh, you know, with the eighty seven percent of the population being men, there's a massive stigma about being able to open up and discuss um, issues relating to to your well being. Um, we are not very good at this. Um, so so overcoming stigma is a major element, and also awareness of okay so now that i've actually managed to talk about this where do i go to get support so the very th first thing that came out of the, the the campaign was was the launching of the make it visible uh, portal and uh, www.makeitvisible.info was launched and we launched that in may and it is a, a really fantastic information portal for anybody in the industry um, you, you remain anonymous uh, you can go onto that uh, website portal and you will get information about emotional well-being physical well-being financial well-being and you'll be able to learn about any of those we've even got uh, little vignettes of people real real people not actors uh, real work uh, workers talking about things like uh, anxiety depression um, and what has helped them so it's people they can identify with um, is on the on the portal uh, as well and then they can look at coping strategies as well so uh, educational coping strategies where they can do some things themselves to help their uh, own uh, own well-being but then they can push the big button which says I need help and then what will come up is is some you know areas where people can actually go to get help not just the lighthouse but things like anxiety UK um, or, or the Samaritans or, or any of the other big charities it shows a good listing of places we can go uh, to get the help and support that they need. So it's a signposting service as well. So so that has already launched and already getting some really good traction um, across the industry. And we're really looking to push that out on every site in the UK um, to make sure that everybody's got access to that portal. So the next stage is more about the proactive. And I think that's where we can really deliver change as an industry and drive improvement. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on there at the moment? Well, well proactive for me is... a. Uh, it's still to be totally defined, um, and uh, we 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 see a proactive as more of an educational program. So it's about how how do we how do we educate uh, within the industry uh, to to help people become more resilient, uh, to to identify you know work life balance in a better way, uh, how to manage their finance. A lot of the calls that come into to our um, our helpline. Are, are people in financial difficulties that have got themselves into some really serious debt and and so individuals we do you don't get taught this stuff at school 
you know, nobody teaches you how to uh, to, to run ho home economics anymore. And, and the economics of running a business is not much different from home economics. And, and some of the, the tradesmen actually get serious difficulty uh, by overextending their credit and then finding work stops and suddenly, uh, you know, the world stops for them as well. And, and you know, again, being very male dominated, one of the male psyche things is being able to provide for your family. So you, you do feel a bit of a failure if you can't put bread on the table um, for your family. So so even things like educating around um, finance is all part of that, um, that, that education programme. But another part of that major education programme that uh, we've launched as well is, is uh, the Make It Visible on-site programme. Um, and thanks to the work we've done with Ford, uh, Ford came to us with with the initiative to actually make it visible. But their idea was we put uh, people in a van, uh, tradesmen in a van, and we take them around building sites. And these tradesmen have got, uh, you know, they've had some lived experience of mental health issues themselves. They're trained mental health first aiders, um, and they can go into sites and do stand downs and talk to these people. And the beauty of that is that people identify, the tradesmen identify with them because they're also tradesmen. Um, they talk about their own issues and they get people talking about this. But then once they talk about this, they say, OK, now here's the place where you can go uh, to get support. Now, that program has been absolutely massively successful. Um, even this year, since January this year, we've visited over 244 sites. We've seen nearly 15,000 workers on the ground. And the thing that I am so impressed about is that we've made 87 active rescues. So at the end of those discussions, individuals are coming and saying, look, I am at the end. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of taking my own life. And we've immediately got them into counselling within 24 hours. We've got them into counselling and pulled them back from, from the brink. So, so that programme on its own is saving lives as well. And that's about being proactive and getting the message out there. So, so that program for me hits the two nails on the head, which is the, you know, bringing the awareness and overcoming the stigma as well. And uh, we're looking to expand that program uh, greatly, but it's a very expensive program. Um, and uh, obviously working with Ford to get more vans and other people, which, which is great. The industry is really good. So some other big players in the industry have said, look, hey, hold on, we, we can give you a van. <laughs> um, but, but what is so difficult is getting those special people um, to go out on site and make those discussions. And um, I've tried it. Nobody listens to me, Scottish get, you know, talking there with his posh Scottish accent, no identity with it. But but you've, we've got to get the right people in front um, of, of them, to of the of the, the workers, the boots on the ground. And um, it, that programme has probably been the most successful programme we've ever run. That's amazing result that 87 people have been helped already this year, just with such a small initiative or small starting out there so I mean that really proves kind of like the kind of research you talk about is having those figures and knowing what's working it's obviously very early days to talk about the research work and I think that's something we'd really like to follow on NCE but the other part of the initiative that I'm really interested in is the upskilling of people to become managers and for me that's really important because this is what led to my mental health issues at work so my manager in the past was very hands-off and just wasn't available to me so if I was unsure of what to do I had no no backup I didn't know what was needed or anything like that but fortunately I had the support of the wider business to overcome that but that's really shaped how my approach to managing other people Rob might be able to tell you whether that works or not I'm not sure um, but the, 
because the Make It Visible is doing something to actually really tackle that and help people become better managers. That That's really important. Um, what other things are you trying to do to tackle long-term culture change? Yeah, it's, the, the, this long-term culture change is a very, very difficult piece to to, to work on because, again, because it's long-term, you don't know exactly when and, and what is going to work because it's 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 so long-term. So, uh, again, the the Construction Leadership Council have got a group working of, on on this uh, as well, uh, but we've also made it part of the, the, Make, the Make It Visible programme. But, but what, what we certainly identified within the industry is that uh, many people get promoted to fraud to as a, because of technical competence um, in their role, and they don't necessarily have the soft skills to, to manage people. Um, which is something that can, it's sometimes intuitive, but there's some learned behavior you can actually educate in as well to, to make people better better managers. So it's like, how do we put together a, a very accessible program to put some of the basics in uh, to, to people just like the black hats on site, you know, because it's a very shouty um, industry. Um, and, and, and also there's a large amount of, of objectification of people uh, as well, which makes it uh, takes away that emotion. Like if I've often heard on sites, uh, I need two bodies up there now. Well, those two bodies are two people. You know, it's John and Jim or whoever it might be. And uh, you know, so it's it's, it's and it's, when you objectify humans, you don't have the same emotional connection with them. So so getting some leadership and soft skills training into to individuals right at the the front end. And then all the way through the system, I think is incredibly important to to improving the culture, as is looking at uh, equality, uh, diversification, inclusion as well. And there's there's you know there's the fair, fairness, inclusion, respect, EDI programs. Uh, we're working very uh, closely with the supply chain sustainability school, who have taken a leadership on this, uh, funded by the CITB. Uh, which is some great programs in there looking at uh, the FIR, the Fairness, Cruise and Respect ambassadors that they're putting in through through all the sites to, to again, awaken people to the neurodiversity that, that, that we've got within our industry as well and how we might be able to to drive programs to to make sure we we are inclusive of, of our communications how to get around things we've also got major cultural uh, differences within this a very uh, uh, big industry for taking on different cultures from different countries um, and again how do you to manage that within this uh, this whole organizational uh, issue uh, which brings us on to the whole thing about language um, as well, because uh, all of the things we do so far uh, are very much in the English language, and and although you know most of the workers have a grasp of the English language, uh, it's not obviously their mother tongue. And I think we did a, a study in one of this, uh, the MACE sites in London, where I think 70% of the people on site um, English was not their first language. So again, how do, how do we work with that? You know, you can't train people to speak in multiple languages. Um, I don't know if you're a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but the babblefish would be very handy here uh, to be able to, to talk to, to everybody in a language. So you've got to go through some sort of interpretation, which changes communication and all this sort of type of thing uh, as well. So the culture change is different. And and, and even looking at like Gen Z, getting Gen Z in, into the industry, we, we do not promote a wonderful image of this industry as well. So we're working with the considerate constructors as well uh, to, to look at how, how to improve 
uh, you know, even more improve the, the image of the industry to, to make it an exciting industry for Gen Z to be want to be part of. I mean, I've done many toolbox talks and I often ask on site you know, how many of you people here have got kids and, and lots of hands go up. Um, but then when I say, well, how many of you are advocating a career in construction for your children? And 99% of those hands go back down. So if we can't win over the people in the industry who are actually working in it to advocate for the children, it doesn't matter how many school programs you put together, you're just not going to get the people coming in. So a lot of work to do there, Claire, a huge amount of work. And that's why it's a long term cultural change. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Mm, very interesting. So with both the reactive and proactive strategies, it sounds like you're hoping to really drive the kind of change the industry needs. But evaluating that impact is tricky as the results are likely to be qualitative rather than quantitative. How do you plan to measure the results of what you're doing? Yeah, so that's a really good point because uh, there is no industry-wide KPI board for welfare and well-being at the moment. And you know the challenge that we've got is to try and create something that is robust, reliable, repeatable uh, to, to put together. I mean, certainly the, the statistics on suicide is certainly going to be way up there um, as, as one of the key indicators of uh, the, the well-being of, of our workforce. And, and the, the news about that is obviously it comes from the ONS um, and we can uh, see that and it's done robustly um, every year around about October. So we can see there what, where the trends are, are going and they have not been good um, up until in fact the suicide rates in the industry have gone up even through the pandemic when against all other industries they were flatlining against all other industries um, construction went up uh, three times more likely to see a suicide in construction and eight times more likely to see a suicide in the trades uh, within construction than any other industry it's uh, it's a big horrible statistic that we need to get to work on when you start looking then further down you say well where else do you go from there you know how, how do you measure uh, the well-being and and um, i think this is where we have to look at some uh, qualitative studies um and, and i know that uh, some some you know magazines etc have run uh, some qualitative stuff in the past but we need to look as an industry and say look well let's have one big study that happens every year that covers a lot of the areas that we can rely on that gives us a statistically relevant sample of the industry to to be able to 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 take action take action on and one of the ones i'm very very keen on is the the nps score of the industry uh, the net promoter primer score because it's basically asked the question you know uh, would you recommend this uh, this industry as a as a career for your friends and family and i'd be very interested to see um, that as a, as a scoring mechanism as well because that then is showing you know how people are advocating the industry uh, for the future uh, for the future as well so so there's lots of work to do there as well and we're working with uh, the caledonian university um, in glasgow to uh, through their uh, Professor Billy here to, to, to work on, on things there to see how we can get academia involved with with that particular aspect of it. So the, the programme is more broad than just dealing with people when they're in crisis and there's a greater focus on well-being and that's something I'm really pleased it's come to the fore during the pandemic but it doesn't just happen by chance does it especially when you've got external factors like the cost of living crisis affecting our daily lives at the moment. Can you explain how Make It Visible is really working to improve well-being too? Yeah, as, as I said before, we, we are changing the narrative of this. This is not 
me- mental health is a byproduct of other elements of well-being. It's your emotional well-being, your physical well-being, your financial well-being. So by concentrating on um, those areas, in fact, there's one missing there which we still need to work on, which is, I guess you could classify it as either spiritual well-being or environmental well-being. Um, and we're trying to work out a better word for that. So we need to, a lot of work on that space as well. And that includes things like, you know, your work environment, uh, you know, banter versus bullying, that sort of type thing, looking at the distinctions between that. And, and also that covers things like EDI uh, as well. So it's, it is looking at that overall well-being. In fact, the, the, the video that we put together to launch the programme, um, is, is, is for is an induction video that we'd like to be uh, shown at every uh, construction site induction, but it, it, it tells the story saying, you know, construction, construction is a fantastic place to work. Um, you'll meet great people. Uh, you'll have great fun, uh, etc. But you, when you do hit the buffers, you do sometimes need some professional help. Uh, and, and if you're seeking for help, the industry has unified in one program <clears throat> to get together. It's called Make It Visible. Uh, go to the makeitvisible.info portal and you will be able to get information, advice and guidance uh, to help you through the problem. So so we're trying to, to change the narrative, uh, telling people uh, boots on the ground that this is a horrendous place to work is not helpful because they know it's pretty tough. So telling them it's tough, it's, it's not doing them any favours, but telling them that we are trying really hard as an industry uh, to improve the welfare and well-being across the board um, is a slightly positive, more positive message. It's not disguising the truths about the industry because it is high risk, uh, but it's saying that the industry is really, really engaging to try and make this a better place to work and a better future for you and your careers. So <clears throat> we've talked about what you're doing with Make It Visible and how you're planning to do it and what the challenges of measuring what you're doing are. But what would you say to business leaders who are listening in to this episode need to do to make a difference? What would you tell them to go away and do today? I think in, in the first instance is if you have not got a welfare and well-being uh, strategy, you, you need one. <laughs> Uh, back to that statement I think you very kindly said about me if you look after your people your people will look after your business and they'll be very loyal to you so if you haven't got uh, a program like that but I mean I I know these guys are juggling with so many other external factors um, as well material costs labor costs uh, you know skill shortage Um, but again a a welfare and well-being program does not need to cost much um, you know, for instance, uh, all, all, all the, the stuff that are, we've talked about, the delivery within the Make It Visible is only free, freely accessible. So the first thing you could do is actually just uh, run a program of advertising the portal um, to, to all your workforce and say, hey, everyone that comes on site has got this safety net to, to, to catch because, you know, big companies now, you know, they don't employ everybody that comes on site. It's all subcontracted. So... You know, the vast majority of people on any site is subcontracted from the, the main contractor. So it, it gives up a, a program to say, look, we as a main contractor value all the workforce on this site. And OK, maybe some of our people have got a very you know, highly advanced um, employee assistance program. But for every day it comes on site, here is the, the makeitvisible.info portal that you can get help and advice and, and support so that's the first thing i would say to everybody is is to put together some sort of strategy if they haven't got one uh got one already and that's a very 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 easy thing for them to to work on and do you have any advice for our other listeners who may not feel like they have the chance to deliver change or influence policy what could they do to make a difference day to day for their colleagues 
my, my little saying in this is uh, just because you can only do a little doesn't mean to say you don't do anything uh, because everybody can do to do a little and uh, oh, the three sort of golden nuggets I say to absolutely everybody there's the three things that everyone uh, can do uh, first of all uh, you, you will identify when somebody is struggling um, ask them twice don't ask them once um, you know are you okay and ask them again because you might get a different answer you know i've noticed you're not being the same lately you know are you really okay and and make sure this the second one is, is make sure you give the time to answer and 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 listen non-judgmentally and that's so difficult to do because we're all problem solvers we want to jump down and give people an instant fix and that's not what people necessarily are looking for and they're just looking for a listening ear somebody to not judge them because their problem might be insignificant in your eyes but in their eyes it's it is significant so they've got a different world and background and lens to, to work through so so you know listen non-judgmentally and then the third thing that everybody can do um is be kind there's there's no reason to be unkind to somebody else even if you've got a tough message to deliver you can deliver it in a kind way so that you don't uh, you know really upset somebody's psyche in the way you deliver it so yeah so it's asked twice listen non-judgmentally be kind um everybody can do that yes it's true so final question from me from a personal perspective for you bill where do you hope the industry will be in five years time and, and what challenges does it face in getting there uh, well, I think the industry is on the right direction. I mean, I really do. I, I genuinely believe that, you know, the right people uh, are, are trying to push this agenda along in a big way. Um, I mean, everybody's struggling with, with funding to, to make programmes work like this. And you've got the large tier ones that are, you know, working on a margin of 2%, sometimes less. It's difficult to, to, to make these... Uh, welfare and well-being programs but the, the more we can get into the client end um, and make sure that clients are pricing in and putting in their uh, tender process that they will pay for making sure that there's good well-being programs for the workforce that are going to be in long-term sites that's great uh, but i think when you get down into your small developer and your uh, you know somebody who's doing the extension on your house it's, it's how to get through to to them. I think is going to be the the the, the, the big significant challenge. And we're working with the the builders, merchants, federations, and things like that, where people go to get the kit in the morning to get the message out to them as well, saying you you're important too. You might be building an extension this week, but you might be on a, a contract in next month or the month after. Um, but what I'd like to see in the next five years is we've got uh, you know the industry working together. And seeing it as, as one major program, um, even though I think everybody can still keep their identity of, you know, this is a XYZ's company program, but we're all part of Make It Visible um, to see it as almost like a, a sign off to say we're, we're all pushing the same way. Uh, that would be really good. Um, and also I'd like to see that we've actually got some measurement criteria with the the trends moving in the direction that we want them to, to, to move in. Um, and that would be a, a, just a really big, huge breakthrough that we were, we're making the right progress. And, and we're getting school people at school wanting to come and join our industry because they see it as a fantastic place to, to be. Um, I do hope some of those things will be realised. That's some amazing ambitions there. And we wish you all the best of those. And whatever we can do on NC to support you with that, we'd, we'd love to be there. 
So that's just about all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us today, Bill, to talk about this important topic. Great pleasure. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, any construction worker or their family can access the makeitvisible.info portal. And you can also call the Lighthouse Construction Industry Charity 24-7 Helpline on 0345 605 1956. Or you can text hard hat or one word to 85258 for immediate text back support. Also remember that the Samaritans Helpline is available to everyone and you can call them anytime to talk about yourself, a friend or a colleague on 116123. Mates in Mind also has a lot of resources specific to the construction sector, which businesses can use to support staff or individuals and is also available to people working in the sector and you can find these at www.matesinmind.org. Since the pandemic, the Institution of Civil Engineers Benevolent Fund has also evolved its services to go beyond financially helping members who are struggling to include outreach on wellbeing issues too. There is a 24-hour free wellbeing helpline that you can access by calling 0800 587 3428 from the UK. And for international callers, it is available on 441482 699177. And there are also more details online at www.icebenfund.com. If you're dealing with any of these issues, I would urge you to seek help and support as early as you can. And please do not struggle alone. Please take care and look after yourselves, your families and your colleagues. And we'll join you again soon on The Engineers Collective. The Engineers Collective is powered by Sequent the subsurface software specialists. Around the world, teams are using Plaxis, Open Ground, Leapfrog Works, and GeoStudio to design, build, and operate safe, sustainable, and long-lasting infrastructure. From roads to rail, bridges to tunnels, and buildings, dams, and levees. To find out more, visit sequent.com forward slash civil.